So here we are, leading up to another Anzac Day clash. This time, Collingwood's in the positive. Two wins, one loss after... Okay, it was a shaky start against St Kilda, but we rided the ship and it ended up being a pretty comprehensive win. And frankly, I'd like to think that this puts some of the doubts for people aside. You know, we are still going to be a competitive team. Let's just give it some time so we can show what we're truly made of. Gone critical, my guest, well, now as always, apparently, <laughs> uh, my, 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 my lovable co-host. Yes, How are you I- today? I'm, I'm well, very well, and uh, looking forward to Saturday greatly. It's a, it's such a, it's such a big, uh, such a big fixture on the calendar. I've been only to one Anzac Day, um, but even, and even that, that the atmosphere and everything associated with it was, um, it was really, it was really quite special. And as someone who hasn't been to a grand final, it's the biggest game of football I've ever been to. So um, yeah. it certainly, certainly holds a lot of, a lot of weight. Well, I'm lucky because I've been to every one. <laughs> So and the, the the first one the ninety five match was just uh, I don't know for a, for a non final I've never been to a match like it it was just so gripping. Uh, I, could, I, I couldn't ima- I couldn't imagine the environment if I tried. <laughs> Magpie girl, what are uh, what are your memories of Anzac Day? Have you been to a couple of the games? Uh, yeah, I have. I haven't been to one for about maybe seven or eight years. But I did go to pretty much everyone before that. So they um, they really are fantastic days to be at. I think it's there's nothing like being in the at the MCG with a hundred thousand people there and and enjoying a minute silence. I think it's one of the most moving minutes that you mm-hmm. can experience. And um, look, I. I it, there's an awful lot made of it now, and in some ways, I think it's got a bit out of hand. But, but when you're there on the day, there's nothing like it, and um, it's 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 even more move. Well, it's very moving, and it's in some ways, it's more special than the grand final. Well, it's certainly going to be a move, going to be a moving moment for the uh, the group of debutants we have playing uh, on the weekend. I think it's eight players lining up for their first Anzac Day. But before we get to that, it's important that we cover the week that was the game against St Kilda. Um, I mentioned in the introduction, a uh, bit of a shaky opening quarter. I, I wasn't, uh, I was none too impressed. I think I was pacing in my living room watching it. But we certainly uh, certainly turned things around and showed that uh, you know, we've, 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 got, uh, we've got a lot of character in the side and uh, a lot of individuals who are still capable of standing up and, and playing high-level football. What do you think, GC? Yeah, I was. Um, I think it was definitely a progression game for us. Um, you know, what, what part of what we're looking at is how how can our old and our new mesh together? And um, you know, well, we saw a uh, a vintage Swanee performance, which was fantastic. But, you know, we need some of the youngsters to track themselves along quite quickly. Tim Broomhead's been a bit of a tease and. I've, for one, got to say I didn't hop on his bandwagon straight on, but uh, I bought a big ticket on the week um, on Friday night and I'm on his bandwagon now. And um, Crisp is the other one I thought really showed us something that he can be part going forward, that big body. And his kicking wasn't too bad. I thought he really added something. So that's what I'm looking for to see which of these kids now are going to step up and become, you know, Mm. permanent fixtures, then B graders, then A graders, hopefully. 
it's interesting you mentioned Chris. I mean, I've, I've been impressed with him for each of the games he's played. I think he's contributed something. Um, and I think his, his kicking does get talked about a lot as probably a weak point. From a, from a technical point of view, he seems pretty sound. I think he just everything seems to be very quick for him. Um, mm. similar, similar to Ben Kennedy, almost like he's trying to do things at a million miles an hour. Um, yeah. and, and I guess the nature of where Chris has been playing, bursting out of packs, um, doesn't really give him the nature to, the time to compose. But I think I mentioned another thread. We've got two guys who are our, meant to be our premier inside ball winners, and Taylor Adams and Levi Green, which is play on the weekend. And with these guys in the side, guys like Chris, we're going to get a little bit more time around the ball uh, to, to, to free up. So certainly very positive. And still talking. Absolutely, and, and still Sidebottom, who I think I even forgot to mention um, in one of the other threads. But he, you know, we we are missing a, a number of a number of players running through that uh, that midfield group, um, and 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 that I think made uh, the weekend's effort a bit more pleasing. The one thing I wanted to pick out from last weekend's game, and Jamie Elliott had a great game. Um, I'm, I've been really impressed with the way he started the year. He's coming, he's building into it. Um, he had four goals, and I honestly think he should have had six. And he's a kid that I actually want to see back himself a little bit, right? To take a mark mm. within forty and go for the shot. Is that a? Is that? Is that just? Is, am I nitpicking there, or you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I think I think he he's he's definitely a Ford who looks to share, and um, he could he could become a bit more greedy. And I think all the all those really great boards have a degree of greediness about them or they want to score. They want to be kicking goals. So I think he can do more of that. But last Definitely. Friday night was the first, I think that's the first time since he was out injured last year where he actually looked more confident. Um, he was, he was taking kicks from further out and, got, mm. you know, he was marking well. He, it just looked like he finally had a bit of confidence in his body and, yep. um, yep. You know, looked like he was really getting in touch with his his old form. Mm. The other, the other the other one I thought for our forward line was um, having the three big men down there. And although Corey Gold didn't have a lot of stats, he competed well, and his mobility I thought really added to our structure. Absolutely, and really gave the other two room. And I I think especially for this week, I'm glad he's back in because I think wet weather he. He, he's going to give us a degree of mobility amongst the big man that might be important on the night. The, the way I see it was with, with the two extra guys helping out Brody Grundy, it allowed him to have his best game. And he terrorised Billy Longer all night long. And, and that, was, that was, such a, it was such a really pleasing thing to see for his development who you know, some people thought he might have stalled a bit last year. I think he had 23 or 24 touches, the majority of the hitouts, um, and he really controlled that. So... Giving him a chop out this week against you know, a big guy like Bell Chambers uh, is going to be uh, a huge asset for us. The other thing was I was a bit critical, I think, of our small defenders in my player review. Um, and, and in my opinion, rightly so. I watched the game back today. Um, Ramsey's the one that I picked on, and I'm a big fan of his. I'm a big fan of his endeavour and his work. But uh, I honestly thought that on the weekend, when there was pressure on, he didn't respond particularly well. His ball use wasn't great. Um, and he's the one for me that looks like the vulnerable odd one out. Him, Tuvi, and Oxley, to me, play very similar roles. Seedsman is the rebounder and the true rebounder of all of them. I'd rather see Seedsman start 
but I get the feeling he'll be the one wearing the vest. What are your thoughts? Um, I, look, I, I'd be a bit kinder to Ramsey. I think I thought I thought a couple of times under pressure he he took a couple of marks and a couple of intercepts that were important. He he does need to tidy up what he does with the ball a bit, but he's still only playing his, about his fourth game. Um, Seedsman for the vest. I hope not. I, I I agree with you. I think Seedsman. I liked how he played. He, he didn't have a great game, but again, he did a couple of things that show that he's got something that we don't have a lot of, which is yeah. uh, an ability to intercept and then break lines and kick well. So, uh, yeah, it's a good question. I'm not sure about the vest this week. He has that flair, doesn't he? And when he gets mm. going, I mean, he's another one who's coming back from a long absence and um, it was good to see a bit of that flash and daring the other night. Um, and, you know, and, it, and it, it adds a buzz, I think, to the team, which is really mm. great. I just think for me, when I when I look at that that back six, uh, as I said, Tuvi, Oxley, Ramsley, Ramsey, sorry, Frost, Brown, they're all very blue collar players. Mm. You know, very very good workers, um, and they do their best and really put in a hundred percent effort. But coming out of defence, we saw that in round two, the amount of turnovers. We also a lot of turnovers that we weren't punished in the first round and, and the third round against the Saints. So. You, you, you've got to add. You've got to have a, a better ball user out of that back half. Yeah, Oxley. I'd say Oxley's a bit. I think Oxley can use the ball well. I think in on the Adelaide game, he was under a lot of pressure and burned it a few times. But I don't think that's his characteristic game. And so I yeah. think he he with Seedsman and Tommy Langdon can be deliverers. But Seedsman's the one that's potentially got the best delivery. Well, we, we didn't get a, we didn't get a flush of wins unfortunately on the weekend. We did lose in the VFL. Um, I, I couldn't get a, a good feed of the game and I wasn't able to uh, uh, appraise what was going on. But it seems like uh, the big man, Darcy Moore, our, our big unwrapped present from last year, um, had, a, had another pretty good game. He's, he's, he's listed as an emergency this week. Um, when do we unleash this animal and when do we start bringing in some of these young midfielders? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, look, I'm, 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 I'm not at all worried, to tell you the truth, by... Yeah, I wouldn't care if they had five weeks in the VFL because they're they're so brand new and it takes kids that time. I don't think that'll hurt them at all as much as we all want to see them. So, well, I'm just very much of when they earn a spot, when they are clearly better than one of the incumbents. And if that's next week or if it's in five or six weeks, well, so be it. I think it's rough business to drop a raft of players after a 60, 70-point win. Um, but you guys There's like... no chance this week for them. No, absolutely not. But guys like Wits, Wits has got to be close now as he's come back from injury. And and, and it's going to be interesting seeing the dynamic between he and Grundy and, and who ends up being the first Ruckman and how they balance that. It's big. That's a bit of a selection headache for, for Bucks. Um, the other big headache coming out of that weekend was Ben Reid. I think we finally clarified that it was a cork. So not the, uh, not the retirement-inducing quad injury that some people were bleating on about. But I think I think it's a good decision to rest him now for a few weeks and uh, get him right for the second half of the season. Yeah, I think I think if we can put ourselves to sleep on worrying about him and just be thankful when he comes back, and uh, otherwise we're just going to send ourselves balmy, stressing about you know every every move that he makes. And because yeah. for the these guys to get a bit of cohesion and a bit of you know, a bit more experience and start playing as a unit and yeah. Yeah, without too much disruption. You don't want to be chopping and changing the team. 
and you made mention before, you know, as you know, that, that you know, he's he is he is a player that you know obviously can add something to our team, but we've got to kind of put that out of sight, out of mind. Whatever he comes back as, um, you know, it, it might be a different player. He might not have the same impact, but we know what he's capable of. It's just it's just letting him get his body right and uh, bring him in when 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 we can. Yes, yeah, that's that's the thing for him. That's the key. Now we've only made one change to the team this week. Um, my boy Patrick has been um, unceremoniously dismissed after wearing the vest and really not doing anything wrong. I'm a little bit cut up about it, um, but it's probably the one change that was going to be made with Taylor Adams coming in. Brief thoughts on on that. Uh, and I feel very sorry for Paddy Carnesis, and I loved it when he when he clearly was happy to say. You know how good was this? This was this was my dream. This is like all us Collingwood supporters. He's actually lived it, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm wrapped that he still thinks that way. I thought he did well, but Adams had to come back in, and for me, he was the obvious one to come out because I don't think I don't think we could have put him into the off the sub bench, and I think he's better off probably going back and having a stint in the VFL. He was the obvious one, and the next question then is how how do we who do we sub this week because that's the the next difficult question. Yeah, and despite my despite my commentary regarding our small defenders, we still haven't conceded a score of over a hundred points. Mm. So something's going right. Something is going better than last year in that regard. Maybe the opposition isn't brilliant yet, but the point is we're still holding teams. So mm. I guess you can't knock a philosophy. Um, but I'd love to see Paddy get a few games in a row without the vest, hopefully at some point this year. Oh, I think he'll get back. I think he'll get back. Um, he's just – I think there's going to be a lot of times this year someone will be unlucky because, you know, when side bottom Greenwood, Reed, these blokes come back, if the team's going okay, you're going to have to tip some young performers out perhaps. Yeah, and, there'll, and there'll be guys – you know, Freeman had 22 touches on the weekend, five clearances – yeah, and thirteen contested possessions. This kid's coming, like, mm. he, and and he wants to play. Braden Maynard, fifteen touches, six tackles. Um, you know, hey, playing play across the back half. Degui, eighteen touches, four inside fifties, four tackles. Now these, are, you know, I I, I made mention in another three that in two or three years, our midfield running through it: uh, Pendlebury, Crisp, Side Bottom, Greenwood, Adams, Degui, Broomhead, jeez, uh, Freeman. Now that's eight deep. And ben, so, ben Kennedy would have probably been starting the year if he didn't get ill. So, you know, we're going to squeeze him in now. We are going to have a, a few guys who are going to be a little bit unlucky. But mm. before we start talking ourselves up as final threats, I think our next guest will have something to say about that, put paid to that across the weekend. Uh, all right. Good evening, Jade. How do I find you this evening? Uh, not too bad at all. It's uh, it, it's nice to be joining you all. And uh, I, I'm I'm... Very privileged to be the uh, the allotted person this week to raise the uh, tooth in head ratio for this group. So we're glad to be here. There was there was only Back one. Obvious, the, the, well, there was only one obvious choice, really. I mean, you've come across to our board, challenged us on a number of years, lost most of them. Let's be honest. Uh, even despite you know your your illegal augmentation of your players, but. <laughs> we we we, re- we really appreciate you know the banter that that you've been able to have with uh, with us Collingwood faithful. Uh, you're a rare breed, Jade. We're uh, we're really really impressed. No, it's uh, it's actually nice to get over there. I think um, 
I've I've had that uh, that that particular uh, banter thread and, and and associated wager going for about five years. Um, and I think the only year that I actually didn't do it was the one year that we've won in the last five years. So um, <laughs> I don't think that's a good sign leading into this weekend, to be honest. I see the intrepid Maggie Five has has taken you on. Uh, he he uh, or he or she, I should say, uh, uh, has taken me on. So we'll uh, we'll see we'll see how that one goes. <laughs> what's it What's it actually like going back to the Essendon board after a loss? With you're yourself adorned. With uh, yeah, our, our, our Collingwoodness. Well, it's it's actually not too bad. I think uh, I think the board generally nowadays expects that sort of thing from me. So uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I've been draped in uh, I've been draped in Collingwood colours, in North Melbourne colours, uh, Richmond colours, even uh, even I think at one stage. So uh, I think they sort of uh, they've they've sort of gotten used to it and uh, um, and sort of expect it from me. And maybe well, Jade, you're getting a bit of a taste for the black and white. Then it sounds. Well, I, I do like getting on that uh, that particular thread, but uh, in terms of uh, putting it on permanently, no, I, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Never say never, Jade. Never say never. Now, look, I do want to talk a little bit about your bombers because with a little bit of luck um, and probably um, a, a bit more of a comprehensive preseason, you guys will probably be three and zero, having run out the, the first game uh, a little bit poorly. Um, now, I've tipped you guys in the top four. I want to know what your thoughts are on your team and how you guys have performed so far this year. I mean, so far this year, we've we, we've obviously played okay. Uh, I, I think that um, that a number of Essendon supporters do uh, tend to possibly overrate us a little bit um, based on what we've seen over the first three weeks. Uh, I mean, we uh, w- when you looked at the fixture and you saw that we had Sydney in Sydney and then obviously Hawthorne at the MCG. Uh, in the first two rounds, uh, you know, it's quite an easy thing to say that okay, well, you know, we could logically expect to, have, to, to be zero and two coming out of the first two rounds. Um, but the funny thing is that we we have recently actually matched up quite well uh, against both Sydney and Hawthorne. Um, Sydney rarely actually blows us out of the park, uh, so to speak. Um, so you know, having a, a very close loss to them. Uh, was not a surprising thing. Uh, obviously, the fact that we were you know, six or seven goals in front, you know, getting into the third quarter was was a bit disappointing. But um, considering the fact that we did have the interrupted preseason, we were playing up there. It was a it was a hard game. It was not entirely unexpected. Uh, and against Hawthorne, I mean, a lot of people forget that the year before, I believe, we lost. Um, uh, at Etihad Stadium by two points to the Hawks. So, uh, it, you know, it's not an unusual thing for us to, to, to be actually quite close to the uh, to the Hawks. So, uh, and, you know, we came out of those first two games and uh, obviously people were thinking, well, you know, Essendon actually do look quite good. And, you know, in a lot of people's minds, uh, we would have obviously had a, a fair amount of our players suspended leading into those two games. And, you know, they, they really did mark them down as two losses. So I think the Carlton game, the one we played last week, was probably um, a, a little bit more telling than the first two games uh, in terms of, you know, we, we did play a team that we honestly were expected to beat. Uh, I, I think the, the thing that was... Uh, promising coming out of that game was the fact that we did actually beat them. Uh, I think uh, you know for those uh, for those people that actually did see the game, obviously Essendon didn't play fantastically well. I mean we were obviously smashed it in the contested uh, contested side of the game, um, uh, so being able to come out with a win against a side that we were honestly expected to beat when in the past 
we have actually dropped those sort of games, I think was was, was probably a promising thing. Uh, I think anyone that heavily favours Essendon leading into the Anzac Day clash uh, has probably not been paying uh, a lot of attention to, to to what's happened thus far. As far as I'm concerned, this is mm. this is really as much of a 50-50 game as you can get. So, um, look, uh, I think we've done reasonably well, but uh, I, I certainly don't buy into the fact that we we are showing the signs of a top four side at this particular moment. I think the thing for me is when I look back at the last three years, and I have watched a lot of S, and I've got a few S supporting mates. I don't know why, but. And I've looked, when I've looked back, you've started years well. You've actually played periods of very good football. And there's obviously been a distraction behind the scenes that hasn't had a positive effect. But the team is building to something. And I wouldn't imagine that the powers that be at Essendon would add the certain players they have. Cooney, Chapman, even, as, even a couple of years ago, Brendan Goddard, if they didn't feel like they were in the frame. And the, the truth is, right now, with where your list profile is, you should be in the frame. So this, the good form doesn't surprise me. It hasn't surprised me. I think that you're right in saying, however, that Saturday does become much more of a 50-50 game. Gone critical? I mean, these games are always very close anyway. There's always a lot of, a lot of you know, tight ball, a lot of tight contests, and it's not really, you know, it's never, it's never really a blowout. Yeah, and I think, look, I, I think the other thing I'd, Always, I always, because I always look pretty close at Carlton Essendon games. I like going to them often. I was almost tempted to barrack for Carlton this week for the first time in my life, but I resisted that temptation. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I always think you throw form out of the door a little bit with these three teams, and that's why I'm not surprised that Carlton got up a bit last week. I wouldn't read that much into that. I think Essendon's other two weeks really were more significant, but this week. You know, I think we've come up. We're coming a bit. Essendon's up. Um, it's hard to pick because these games are hard to pick. I'd, I'd make Essendon favourite, but do I think we can win? Yeah, if we get out there and... Uh, in fact, I, th- I thought on the weekend we were practising our uh, spiel that we gave, what, St Kilda, three or four goals lead, and that's our usual uh, thing now for Anzac Day. So we, we then we reel, reel them in and go past them. That's what we probably do on this Saturday too, isn't it? We were only seven goals behind at quarter time last year, weren't we, in the Anzac Day game? <laughs> were you now? <laughs> and how many did we win by? Goal critical? I can't remember. Did that oh, six or seven goals? About, about the same. About the same. About that. Uh, it was level at half time, I think. Yeah, about that. <laughs> Sorry, I had to bring that in one. <laughs> and rightly so. But they are good. They are good games. And look, we, oh, we fantastic are fantastic games. Yeah, and, and we were talking before you came on, Jade, about the atmosphere there being just incredible. Um, and and as you and as you as as Gone Critical pointed out, you do put format the window with the big Melbourne, the big Victorian clubs. Um, it, it doesn't matter where we are on the ladder; it's always going to be a good game. Who should we be looking out for from Essendon? We know the the main offenders, the, the, the Watsons, the bloody Zaharakis, the Greek, um, you know, the Carlisles. Who sh- who should we be looking out for um, to really make an impact this year? I mean, uh, having a look at this game, I mean, there's 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 a couple of things that do stand out uh, between the two teams. Uh, sorry, between the two teams, uh, Collingwood have obviously been a a very good um, contested possession side. Um, you know, not only this year but in in previous years. Uh, whereas Essendon, uh, funnily enough, have not been um, as good a uh, a contested possession side as the Pies have been. Uh, However, on the flip side of that is um, the the fact that Essendon are a very, very good um, uncontested 
possession side, being able to uh, create space and actually um, get around the defences of opposition side. So it's, it's a funny game this year in terms of you really are looking at two teams that have got very different uh, styles of play, if you, if, if you wanted to um, uh, put it that way. So uh, from an Essendon perspective, uh, what you'd be looking at um, – Obviously, Cal Hooker has has been sensational for for eighteen months, uh, if not two years. Uh, I have had some discussions with uh, with Collingwood fans in relation to uh, to to Travis Cloak, who obviously is a very very good um, uh, key forward. I, I think if you find if Cal Hooker does in fact get on get, get on top of uh, Travis Cloak, if in fact he does go to him, Hurley is obviously another option. That'll go a long way to 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 securing the game. Uh, for Essendon. Uh, the other players uh, I'd be looking at uh, in terms of uh, uh, potential dangers uh, for the Pies leading into this game um, uh, would, would be players uh, such as uh, Courtney Dempsey, who's been named uh, this week. I know that he's, he's just coming into the side, but uh, considering that the, the, the way that we play uh, in terms of trying to play that keepings-off game and uh, um, being, being able to create space uh, uh, between defensive players, uh, David Zaharakis, as obviously you, uh, you you've mentioned, there is obviously a very dangerous player against the Pies because of the abil- his ability to get into space and deliver the ball low and hard. Um, you know, he, he he could pose a problem. Um, uh, on top of that, uh, players such as, uh, as Zach Merritt, for example, who uh, who who, who um, does tend to find himself in space. Uh, a lot of the time. So uh, any of those players there that are actually able to, to sort of get away from their direct opponent and actually present options, particularly to the Essendon defenders, such as Hibben uh, and Baguley, uh, could potentially present uh, those sort of issues to, to the Pies. Um, you know, obviously we've still got the uh, the old man, Dustin Fletcher, down the back there who delivers the ball very well from defensive 50. Uh, Hurley and Hooker have obviously been sensational in the opening round. So, um, you know, from an Essendon perspective, in terms of the players that could potentially cause problems, I think they, they would be the ones. Even a guy like Melksham is really starting to come into his own a bit this year. So, look, uh, I, I can't sing, unfortunately, I can't sing that the praise of the Bombers high enough. But uh, but on the other side of the fence, I think that we've got some players that will do a bit of damage as well. What are your thoughts, go, uh, gone critical? What well, are you yeah, be looking think, for on Saturday? Well, I think, uh, I think uh, Penderbury was clearly a bit hampered last week, um, but still did very well. And Swanee, I mean, we, we, we were rapt to see Swanee back. And, and he's, he, he seems to love this day. So he, he's, those two we're looking for to be very dangerous. But I think Essendon supporters probably won't know a few of our younger guys that have been stepping up the last couple of weeks. So Oxley. Oxley, Broomhead, Crisp, um, Galt. Yeah, Galt, I mean, Galt will be important structurally, but I think those, particularly those three, um, if they can frank what they did last week and just keep stepping up, they've got a dangerous look about them. The other guy that I wanted to drop last week was Trav Varco because I thought he was deplorable against Adelaide, mm-hmm. but um, he was a new man when he came out last week. So I think, you know, if he can, if he can continue on that form that he gave us last week, he'll be another string to our bow. Oh, Travis Varco really grew a set last week. I I had not seen him attack the ball with that sort of ferocity at any point in his career. Look, this is we're still. I think Collingwood are really still building into the year, and I think it is going to take a while for us to see our best. 
But one that I also think that uh, that, that we haven't commented about a bit is is how important someone like Nathan Brown is for us this week. Now Danaher is starting to shine a little yes. bit. You start seeing more than just glimpses of potential. Whereas Brownies looked a bit pedestrian. GC, what are your thoughts on on that matchup particularly? Um, I wonder whether yeah. Look, I I wonder whether, I wonder who will go to him. I wonder. I guess it will depend on is how fit Carlisle is as well. But I would have almost thought mobility-wise, I would have been chucking Jack Frost at Danaher, and um, and Brown on to Carlisle. Yeah, I'd agree. But uh, Brown, Brownie needs he's 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 been dependable, but uh, if he looks just has that little vulnerable look that we think if someone really gets off the uh, leash on him, he could be in a bit of trouble. I think for us, it, 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 it just comes down, I think, to, to slowing down Essendon's ball movement. The spread yes. uh, and, and, and the ball use is, is, is quite strong. It's, it's, um, it's very impressive to see uh, when, when they've got their, their flow on. So that's going to be a bit concerning for us, and we'll test our depth uh, of our midfielders. Will they try and tag Joe Watson? Look, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. And, and to, to be honest, he's not the one that I'd tag. I mean, I, I've I've got I've got a theory that someone like Watson's going to win his own ball anyway. It's just the game he plays. Trent, Brent Stanton and probably Jake Melksham are the two that I'd look at tagging. Dyson Heppel, if you had someone to run with him. Well, what are your thoughts on this, Jade? Because I honestly believe that a guy like Watson will win his ball. Well, I think um, we've seen it a couple of times um, in commentary in the media lately that they they label some players. Uh, untaggable essentially and honestly I don't believe um, that as a concept I mean we saw uh, Bernie Vince gave gave Patrick Dangerfield a, I wouldn't say he gave him a touch-up but he certainly negated his influence uh, in, in the game this weekend so uh, if you're going to tag someone honestly I, I do believe it should be it should be Joe Watson uh, he left to his own devices and particularly if he, if he starts getting loose he, he, he would hurt uh, the, the pies on Anzac Day Stanton, look, you can. There's there's a thought that you can actually tag Stanton so that he's effectively out of the game. And to be honest, it's probably not a bad thought. You you probably can do that if you've got a tagger that's effective enough. Uh, where I think that would be an issue is that Stanton nowadays, as compared to say three or four years ago, is no longer the um, you know the second, third, or fourth. Um, midfielder in yeah, in the Essendon side. You're looking at a guy that is, you know, the sixth or seventh midfielder and, and an outside runner. I think if you're going to tag anyone that could potentially influence the game, it would be Dyson Heppel would be the one I'd be looking at. Um, uh, as far as uh, you did say Jake Melksham there, Melksham himself uh, will likely get a tagging role on, on Swan or Pendlebury. Uh, obviously, I don't know which one he'll go to. I suspect uh, it'll be Swan and not Pendlebury. Um, so I, I would doubt that he would get a tag himself. So, um, you know, where I looking at Collingwood and suggesting what they should be looking to do in this game, I, I, I would suggest that they actually look at Dyson Heppel. Um, uh, Joe Watson, I suspect you'll find, will end up going head-to-head with, uh, with Dane Swan. Uh, obviously, you know, you're not going to have an agreement between coaches to do that uh, pre-game, so we don't know whether that'll actually happen, but uh, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that eventuality. Look, it's um, it, it it's got all the makings of a very very interesting contest. I think we'll start to wrap up there, but I'm I'm very thankful that you've been able to come on, Jade. This has been uh, 
very uh, very enlightening discussion. Two weeks in a row, we've had some brilliant uh, some brilliant supporters on that I've had the chance to chat with. So, Jade, thank you so much for for being a part of this. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. And for your continued uh, involvement on the Collingwood board, mate, you're, you're welcome to come on any time and, uh, and have a bit of a chat with us. As long as you're willing to take a bit of abuse in the, in, in the long run, it's, um, we're certainly happy to have you around. Never abuse, Marty Tim. What was that, sorry? Never abuse. No, no, not, a, not <laughs> abuse. Not abuse. No. Friendly Just... jousting. Yes, yes. I'd call it a, a, a friendly negotiation. <laughs> that's right that's right I like it a friendly negotiation very good Napo girl thank you very much for being on tonight uh, it's always a pleasure mighty team and go on critical I look forward to chatting you with you again next week about uh, hopefully uh, a big win for the, the Magpies yeah thanks very much and thanks Jade and uh, enjoy the uh, black and white uh, colours next week my friend oh, I surely <laughs> won't <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot Jade for coming on pleasure And thank you, everyone, for listening Uh, for another week. This is the Muddy T signing out. And in the left corner, TD. Okay, my round four round is going to be about the improvement of Brody Grundy this year. I mean, we know in his first season, he had a back injury and came through back of BFL. He started playing the BFL, but he played two or three amazing games in the BFL season. Then got a call-up where he came in about round, I don't know sure, round 18. And then he came through against GWS and he... And he played for the rest of the season and he had some really good games, including his best game against Hawthorne where he had 20 disposals and 28 hits. So that was great. So he was averaging about 25 touches in his quarter, but 2014 was a bit of a rough year for um, Brody. He just didn't cry. I think he might have got a bit ahead of himself over the pre-season, over the pre-season from the, po- from the season, which had a good one. He's come back and had some very average games. got dropped at round 13 and spent the next couple of weeks in the VFL and came back and played a bit bad, but but I think he took that bad season and used it. And to this point, he had his anger problems where he would lash out and get distracted too easy. But he's come back this year a lot, a lot mentally stronger. As you can see, watch him in his first game in the NAV chance, he just looked more focused. Nothing was really distracting him. He was just playing hard. And you could tell that he had a big off-season that, okay, he's not got much of a motor. He doesn't test around the running skills. But you see that he tries, he tackles, he makes an effort, which is really, really good. And it's really been come good. Like in his last game, was almost a little more of a bit biggest game. He had 23, 21 hit-outs. And... 23 touches, great game. In fact, this year he's averaging 16 touches, it's great. Two marks, nearly five tackles, and 30 hit-outs. That's not bad for a 21-year-old Ruckman. And hopefully this, this season can get better. He keeps getting better this year, and it's been really fun. And they've seen him develop over the years, which is going to be fantastic. And the good thing about this is 
it's just a healthy state of kind of for life. It's just good, but it's just be fun watching Grundy get better and better and better in a rant. Mm -hmm.